This is episode 112 with TEDx speaker and founder of Level Up Living, Lucas Matilio. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you live to your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the things you did. And Christopher Morley said, there is only one success, to be able to spend your life in your own way. Lucas Matilio is the founder of Level Up Living. On top of that, he's a TEDx speaker and TEDx speaker coach. Now, Level Up Living is an organization focused on assisting you to live a life without limitations. Their main focus is to reduce stress, anxiety, and the fear of public speaking. Today, Lucas is going to share how he built his business by growing through and overcoming anxiety and fear in his own life. And if you find anything in this episode valuable, make sure to share it with someone else so they can get that same value. And if you haven't, head over to Apple and subscribe and leave a review with what you like most to help us get this message out to more people. So let's dive into how to face our fears and how to level up our living with Lucas Matilio. Lucas, welcome to Pencil Leadership. Hey, thanks so much, Chris, for having me here. No problem. Super excited to dig into the topic of facing our fears. And I know a lot of people starting out as entrepreneurs have a lot of different fears on their journeys, but would love to hear about your journey and kind of what brought you to helping others get through that, if you would. Yeah, it's funny because I actually had no ambitions to ever be an entrepreneur. It's one of these things where I guess you can call it like being an accidental entrepreneur. You know, I was working, I was in my first job out of university. I was working in finance. It was not a good fit, but it wasn't bad enough to leave. You know, it's, you know those times where you're there and it's like, ah, you're getting paid enough that it's all right, but it's not enough. To, you know, it's just, and even the environment from the job is in finance. It was, it was not a good fit. And it ended up being a scenario where it was after the stock market crash that we, you know, we got noticed that we'd be let go. And I had like three months to prepare for it. And I was just in denial. Like, ah, oh, nothing's going to happen. And I had been struggling with anxiety and panic attacks for 15 years, you know, leading up to it as well. So I had that running. And then when I lost the job, it's funny, a job that I didn't enjoy, wasn't my calling, but losing it, it felt like my world just fell apart. And my identity fell apart. And I really lost that certainty that even a suboptimal job that had, I still felt like I lost. And then just being laid off, seeing people going to work. I, I was 29. I just felt like the world was passing me by and I was being left behind. And so it was a tough time. And everyone has their stories, right? And so me quitting my nine to five before my business was making any money, just because I felt that was what I needed to do, just had that kind of calling. And actually a recent episode we did on intuition, just following that. And yeah, so much fear and anxiety that comes with any of these kind of big life changing events. So you had that happen to you and that kind of propelled you or directed you now on this journey to get to what you're doing now with your level up living. And so you're basically guiding people through almost, is it through these kind of events or is it just in general anxiety and stress? Well, so what happened was after I lost my job, it actually brought the panic attacks and the anxiety to the surface. I knew I was struggling, but I actually didn't even know that it was anxiety and panic attacks. I thought I was having mini heart attacks all the time. And 
Then it got really bad because I got into uh, like penny stock investing and I lost a bunch of money there. And so you add all these factors together. And it ended up, I was at the doctor and he just looked at me, you look terrible, what's going on? And I was like, look, I'm not in a good spot. And he sent me to the mental hospital. He's like, "This we got to get you booked in. You need some help. And I went there and I met the psychiatrist and he's like, hey, we're going to enter you into a stress management recovery program. And I went through and I learned that I had panic disorder and I started learning different tips to navigate fears and lifestyle changes that I had to make, like cut down on sugar, Mm. stop drinking avoid adrenaline-based sports. So that was always on the go. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'd take up yoga. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I had to make all these lifestyle changes. Then my stress level started to drop. And one thing I realized was with this group, so there was a support group we would meet and share. <laughs> the one thing that was constant was there's so many people struggling with anxiety, but there was so much shame and stigma around it that people were not getting the help that they needed. So even for myself, I struggled 15 years before doing what I needed, you know, to the outside, sometimes people are like, well, why didn't you just get help right away? I'm like, you know what? Logically, that makes a lot more sense, of course. But we go on the path that we go on. So to bring it up how I got started with that, I started speaking at different groups just to share my story and start to, I wanted to destigmatize, like, let's bring it to the surface. And then people started asking, like, hey, could you work with me? And, and could you help me with this? And you go through the whole imposter syndrome. It's like, who am I? This is crazy. I can't do this. And then, you know, you start doing some training, you start learning. And then next thing you know, it's 10 years later and you have a business that's going well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And that's great too. Like multiple things with that. Like sometimes our struggles, those hard moments that we go through those traumas, they in turn end up being kind of that platform that we can then, you know, utilize our experiences to help other people with. So almost taking the bad and making it good, you know? Chris, you're absolutely right with that because for all those years that I was struggling, and especially in the beginning when I learned about panic disorder and this, I actually had so much anger. I was angry at everybody. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I was angry at God. I was thinking, you know, why did that, why does this have to happen to me? And as I went through it, I realized that those experiences, as you mentioned, that becomes a skill. Some may say a superpower. Because when you start to own that journey, it gives you a different level of understanding of the scenario that somebody's going through. Like, I've never had a drinking problem, but I'm sure mm-hmm. I can read some books on how to do it. And, you know, if I'm talking to someone who's got a drinking problem, like, hey, you should cut down or whatever the steps are. But it's very different if I had actually gone through it. And so it brings a level of trust. And the other piece, too, is even with clients, I always tell them, like, look, there's nothing you say that I'm going to be shocked or judge you for because I've been there or I've helped people through it. So when we can just, take away that hesitation from opening up, then people get results faster because they don't have to hide. I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. Great. I'm always focused on where are you right now? Where do we need to move you forward? That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, you know, the stories or how you got there. I mean, that can be important, but I'm not going to judge you. You're doing what you mm-hmm. did to survive. That's it. Yeah. And with that too, like just thinking back on the things you had to change to start healing. I mean, stopping the sugar intake, decreasing that, the drinking, the adrenaline sports, things like that. Like that's not just easy to drop and stop doing. So I guess what was that process? What did that feel like, look like for you starting down that road first before you even got into kind of defeating the fear, getting through the fear? Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's going to be funny because you said it's not easy to do. And I can only speak for my own experiences, but 
it actually was very easy to do. And really? I, okay. But I'm going to qualify. I'm going to qualify. Gotcha. Is that I was in a spot when I went to the hospital. Mm. When I drove in and I was at that front door, I was walking to that door and I didn't want to live. I was just like, man, mm. I felt like a lost cause. I was thinking about it. Okay, I'm 29. Let's say that the average life expectancy is, say, 79. Reasonable guess. I can't do this for another 50 years. So I was in a scenario where I was torn, where I didn't want to live. I didn't want to kill myself because I thought about the pain it would cause my family. Yep. And so I was very motivated. So when the psychiatrist is like, hey, you got to stop drinking. You got to take on yoga. You got to cut down sugar. For me, I was in the mindset of this was life, life or death. And it was me versus the panic attacks. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying mm. for everybody, but you got to understand the frame that I was in. It became very easy because the alternative was very frightening for me. That's true. That's a good point. Really, there's only two ways to go almost like, and you chose the path of improvement of healing of getting through that. And that makes a lot of sense. And it is understandable. And on top of that, too, I'm sure what helped was being in the facility, having that accountability, have that guidance and direction from those professionals and people in that support group even too. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I actually, (laughs) I went to a few meetings and I stopped because (laughs) the reason being I went there and then you know, we're in these meetings and there's people mm-hmm. that are, you know, they're telling me that they're taking four out of bands just to get on the bus to come here. I'm like, whoa, like I didn't realize the scale of severity with panic disorders. I still had a, you know, quite a functioning life. I was able to go to school. I was, there was a lot of, you know, ruminating at night and mm. fears and self-imposed limitations. But then when I looked to see examples of more of the severe end, I'm like, wow, like it's very different. And so I went there and then I ended up just going more of the yoga mm. route. And cool. Yeah. And I think that's a testament too. just like, I think yoga is so beneficial for a lot of reasons, but I think, and again, I might be wrong on this one too, but like yoga, I think there's a lot of ability to intrinsically kind of just listen and figure ourselves out, which I think can be such a big stepping stone in healing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one. For me, yoga is that space where I can shut off the mind and just go inside and listen to the internal, you know, those sometimes the cries for help, but oftentimes the whispers for help, the ones Mm. that in a busy world, it's easy to just block out. Yeah. So you got through rehab, you came back. What was the span between that and starting your business, helping other people level up their living? Yeah, that would have been summer of, 2010. Okay. Uh, towards the end of the year, I was in a career exploration program. Okay. To figure out, you know, what I'm going to do next. And it was there. Actually, so I went into it. My goal was to be a stockbroker because nice. I was very <laughs> prestige, power, money. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the focus. And it was there that I started speaking with the other 20 participants and uh, started sharing some of the pieces around anxiety and stress management. And there was two individuals there that pulled me aside and they just said, you know, I've got more value talking to you than I have with my therapist. And they're like, I'm not saying it's bad about them, but it's that you've actually been through it. So I just feel more comfortable with you. And then on my exit interview, the director, she asked me what I'm going to do after. And I'm like, well, I'm like stocks. And she was the one that actually pushed for it. She goes, well, what about that anxiety stuff and the stress management? And I was like, ah, Elaine, I'm not, I'm not qualified for that. You know, I could just go back and finance. And she left me with an option. I live my life in a very simple maxim. If it gives me energy, I move towards it. If it drains my energy, I move away from it. She's like, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it seems to have served me well. 
And she goes, what if you just give yourself three months and pursue this? Because, I mean, there's always going to be a stock market. So you go for it. Worst case, it doesn't work out. You go for that one. And it was on her, you know, just her really standing for me to go for it. Help me over the fear of doing it. And yeah, so I did and it started up. Amazing. That's cool. It's really interesting that we meet people on our journey, like along our, our path that can just even just say something like that, you know, or do something just really little that can shift us and direct us towards our next step. And I think that's so, it's such a neat thing when you kind of look back, when you take a step back, I'm like, wow, like that person said that at that moment. And maybe at that moment, I didn't realize it, but down the road, it kind of transitioned me or like just shifted me a little bit on my path and got me here. Like that's just kind of give me chills kind of like talking about it. just so neat. Well, it's the power of your words. I mean, mm-hmm. words are divine and, and oftentimes people undervalue really the power of their words. They, mm-hmm. That one shift, as you mentioned, it can completely get somebody started on a new direction. And it's something that I find that other people can see our potential before we can in ourselves. I mean, sometimes there's examples to the opposite. But oftentimes you talk to somebody else and they'll tell you exactly where you're screwing up and what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, I can be stubborn. So I just keep going. And then I'm yep. like, oh, shit, you were right. And yeah. Like, <laughs> For sure. And I think, again, it's the importance of having like some sort of accountability, some sort of like coach, mentor, guide with it, which for pencil leadership, that's frustrating. So I think you spot on there that we sometimes don't see that stubbornness or the direction we should take. But externally, people can be like, no, like, look, you just shift a little bit and like you're going to have all these results come in. So that's what you do. Basically, externally show people, listen, you're having these fears, you're having these panic, anxiety this might be why, or this is where you kind of need to be directed towards to get through that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's all centered around speaking. So it's either going to be speaking okay. in public, speaking yep. on video. Those are the two areas of focus. But my programs are, they're a bait and switch. Yes, it's about speaking on stage or speaking on video, but it's really the personal development there. Because, I mean, if people have, they have a phone, you know, you have an actual voice and you know what you do you have all the required tools to start doing videos. So it's not a lack of the technical side. It's often the fears that we need to navigate through. Yeah. But people recognize that. It's interesting. If it was personal development, like, hey, you know, are you feel like an imposter? You don't feel good enough? They're like, eh, no, I'm probably, I'm good. But what they identify is often like, I don't like being on the stage. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like the way I look on video. I don't like putting myself out. Oh, okay, let's deal with it. And then it comes back to the yeah. Like, like an imposter. Yeah, yeah like, the deeper seated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have that. So what is that? Maybe some actionable items that people that you give clients to start being able to overcome those fears of speaking or being on camera that can that relate to like life in general. Do you have some actionable items with that that you give? No, it's all fear. No. <laughs> <laughs> give me a nice softball question. There would be like, I have no idea. Man. Right. <laughs> I got my free ebook you can download. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, actionable items. Look, so if we take it, we've got to zoom out big picture. Why do people fear putting themselves out there? And, and again, it could be, let's just use video because the current scenario we're in, yeah. video, everyone has access to it. So you can implement it right away. The number one fear that people often have with video is I'm afraid to look bad. Okay. That's, I don't want to look bad. It's either going to hurt my reputation. I don't like how I look. People are going to say negative things about me. It's that's often the big areas there, right? So we got to look at it. Now that brings up a decision. So you have two choices. One, if you're starting a business, first of all, you have to be on video. I mean, 
that's the only way to get yourself out there and it's the only way to be seen. If you're not, you're going to have to eventually. So might as well do it now while most people are still afraid. So people have the knowledge. They know what they want to say. And again, so in terms of this fear of looking bad, the first thing we've got to do is just get really clear that you are only speaking to your ideal client. So often people, they get folks like, oh, how many views and who's watching? And then they try to be a chameleon and you know, win everybody over. It's like, no, you, you actually don't want to win everybody over. You want to polarize. You want either a hell yes or a hell no. And when you focus on that, it's like, okay, if I want a hell yes or hell no, first of all, that's the first frame we've got to operate in. Then we got to go into, okay, who are you speaking to? So you only speak to your ideal client because that, again, reinforces the hell yes or the hell no. I mean, when you try to be liked by everyone, it's terrible because you're going to get pulled apart. You will not be able to focus. You will not be able to speak your truth because you're always thinking in your head, who's going to be watching this? And you're going to be this chameleon that's constantly trying to shift your narrative, the way you show up. It doesn't work out long term. So first thing, get very clear on who you're speaking to. Two is embrace polarity. You want, okay, you actually seek out a hell yes or a hell no. And when I say this, there's this narrative, this whole narrative that it become popular now where they go, like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about me. Okay, the very fact that you have to say that usually represents that you do care what people <laughs> think about you, right? That's all like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about me. If you didn't, you wouldn't need to say that. But people are trying to qualify how they're showing up to mm-hmm. reinforce. So oftentimes they're just trying to psych themselves up. Saying, oh, I really don't care. No, it's usually the opposite. So with that, how you do this is you show up in complete authenticity. So uh, this technique that I use, it's called the ice cream technique. Mm. Ice cream technique, it's awesome. I'll give a quick cheap plug for my TEDx talk. Should be coming out in three days. There you go. April 9th, but it's one of the things I talk about in my TEDx talk. Please watch it through, comment, help me get some more views on that. But it, the talk is called How to Speak with Confidence. Uh, reclaim your voice. So there's two sides to it. Big picture is that People come to me and they're like, I want to speak, say on video, but I'm not extroverted. Uh, I'm nervous. It's not who I am. These are the limitations, they say. Mm-hmm. But yet, as children, most of us were freely expressed. So what happened? We were freely expressed. Something happened. It's either this, you know, the house you grew up in, you were shut down. School, school screws up a lot of people. You get embarrassed, humiliated. Society, whatever. There's factors. We start to dim our light. We hold back from sharing our truth. So people come to me and they're like, oh, I want to find my voice. I'm like, well, it's not that you want to find it. It's you actually want to reclaim what you had as a child. And so that's the big picture. I call it like the bits of big picture journey we're on here is to mm. reclaim your voice. So the ice cream technique is imagine you walk in an ice cream shop. Do you love every flavor equally? No. No. You go through, you're looking at, say, the 20 flavors that are there. There's going to be ones that stand out. You're like, I love those. You're going to go, oh, gross. Who the hell would get that? <laughs> and there's a, the majority, are, they're kind of neutral. So the way I frame it, there's one that you love, one that you like gross, and then most are vanilla. So when people are, you know, most entrepreneurs when they're starting, they actually go towards the vanilla because it's the quote unquote safe way. Let me not rock the boat. Let me not stand out. Let me not get negative comments. But you're not getting positive comments. You're not building people that love you because you don't show who you really are because you're afraid to be judged. So we want to move away from the vanilla and just pick an extreme. Now, to do that, it's about showcasing your authentic flavor because here's the thing. This is the best part to it mm-hmm. is you're only not liked by the wrong people. Okay, that's it. Like the people that don't like you, the people that are saying, that's not your people. It's incredibly liberating. Like, for example, say that, you know, Chris, what's your favorite uh, flavor of ice cream? Mm, there's a lot of good ones. We'll say cookies and cream. Cookies and cream? Yeah. Great, great choice. So you got cookies and cream. Let's say, for example, there's, I don't know, 
lemon or something. And, yeah. you know, they're like, there's cookies and cream. They're like, no, Chris, you're going to get this lemon. You're like, no, I don't want that. I want this. But here's the thing. You don't hold anything against lemon. You go into the shop, you see cookies and cream, you're like, hell yeah, I want that. You get it. You're happy. It's the same way when we're putting ourselves out there. It's just identify what is your flavor. So for you, it could be cookies and cream. What does that, what does that mean for you? And you put it out there and you showcase it as authentically as you can. Your voice, your narrative, who you work with, who you don't. And you put it out there, you're in that ice cream shop. When the customers are coming in, they're just going to get the ones that are right for you. They're going to give a hell yes. And you win, they win. And the ones that aren't, it's not personal. It's just, they're not mad at lemon. They're just saying, that's not what I want. Great. Yeah. Get the flavor you want. And it's like, even with business and sales, it's the same thing, not to take it personally, because like you're saying, you have the ideal people you're talking to, people you're trying to help. And so the ones that you meet and they're like, eh, you know, this, that, whatever, it's like, okay, that's fine. Like, go find someone who's cheaper. Go find someone who does this a little different, you know, whatever it is. That's good. Like, get what works for you. So that's a great point that you make. I like the ice cream technique for sure on that. Yeah. It allows you to qualify. Just to make sure. Because the other thing too, when a person is vanilla, and they want to people please and when everyone over. That's actually one of the most disingenuous ways to operate because you're showing a way that's not actually you. And so mm. let's say that a client does hire you. When they start working with you, there's going to be a disconnect. They're going to be like, oh, hey, I thought you were like this, but you're like that. Then the trust goes down. They feel it could be a bait and switch. I mean, that's the thing. Instead, you lead with whatever you're passionate about, the narratives, the belief systems. They're, you want to get people that are bought in from the beginning. So it's like this, yeah. it fails on all levels. Yeah, no, it's true. And it, it kind of, at least in my opinion, when you don't worry about people pleasing and doing all that, it kind of relieves the pressure because you get to be authentically you. It's so much simpler to be yourself. And if people don't like it, it's like, hey, no worries, like, you know, and just move on. But it takes kind of that weight off your shoulders being that way. You're absolutely right with it. And one of the frames, though, to really, I think, supercharges the whole thing mm. is oftentimes people, they go to the vanilla. So, there, people keep watching this. I'm going to say, oh, hey, survival strategies. You had to do what you do to survive. You're armored up because of the past. Absolutely. And it's not judging it. It's like, hey, maybe it wasn't safe for you to speak in a while or at some time. And you're not comfortable and you're armored up. That's all right. Well, I mean, who isn't armored up at some degree? But it's also, this is the frame is that people go into the vanilla world because they think it's safer, but it's not. You are going to pay a price regardless. So you're going to pay a price to speak. You're going to pay a price not to speak. And that's the part that I feel that when we bring that to the surface, like all you're actually choosing is which price are you willing to pay? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to pay the price of potential rejection or negative comments. It's like, well, you're going to pay a price of not getting clients or not getting your ideal clients or yeah. the self-esteem that you're going to beat yourself up because you didn't say yeah. how you felt. So you're just choosing which price are you willing to pay? And when you look at it that way, it's like, hey, I'm going to speak my truth. Some people are going to love me. Some people are going to be indifferent. Some are going to hate me, but you're actually going to respect yourself and you're going to love who you see in the mirror. That's a way better price than what you could have on the other side. So yeah, it kind of reminds me of the quote, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything or something like that. I probably misquoted it, but you know, you get the drift. We got to be able to stand in ourselves and who we are, because like you said, it's going to attract the right people and it's going to repel the ones you don't need around. And so you've got to have those pillars that are you and what you're about, those values, and it makes things simpler. It's not going to be easy. Nothing's easy. And then Grant Cardone says, being broke is hard. Making money is hard. So you choose your hard kind of thing. It's funny. One of my favorite songs is Harder Than You Think from Public Enemy. And that's at the beginning. Nice. <laughs> that song. That's awesome. I was like, I mean, he said that. I was like, oh, I know exactly. That yeah. One. It's a great so, 
Yeah. I mean, life is hard. Any way you look at it, there's just different hards. And so like, are you going to utilize this fear to propel you into a different level, into a, a better level to be able to help more people do better, make a better impact? Or are you going to let fear hold you back and just keep your potential at bay and just go through life, you know, programmed like everyone else doing what you're supposed to do. And there's nothing wrong with nine to fives or school or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But like, are you going to stay in your shell, let fear keep you down and not really live into who you're supposed to or who you're created to be? The ultimate journey, you're right? Yeah. Why are we here? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I would love to hear your opinion on this is I think fear is misconstrued a little bit. I think people see it as such a negative thing. Like, oh, I, I'm not scared of anything. I don't have fears. Like, or like the opposite, like I'm scared of everything. So I don't want to do anything. Whereas I think it could be a really positive thing. Well, I know it's at least in my life, it's a positive thing if we deal with it correctly in a healthy way and utilize it to push us forward into new and better levels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at fear as, yeah, of course, it can override your system. It can shock you. It can, you know, you can feel overwhelmed. That's all true. And it's also the precursor to every single breakthrough I've had in my life. The thing that I've been like, oh, that was amazing after. That's always been the precursor. So actually, I remember it was the first time I did a talk in front of 500 people. And I was comfortable, you know, 50 people, no problem. 100 people, no problem. But I remember it was just <laughs> the walk on that stage. And I saw the people like, oh, like, I can't get everyone's eye contact here. And it was, oh, oh wait, that's something new. And then I walked on. And, but the thing that actually, that talk shifted something in my brain because I realized that, wow, this is actually a signal that I'm literally at the cusp of the next breakthrough in my life, in my personal development, in my business development. And all I have to do is step forward. And so it was changing that relationship, that having that fear, getting comfortable with it. And like, oh, hang on. This isn't telling me to stay. It's just bringing up, hey, you're at the cusp. You want to step forward or not? And then you do it. And then you feel amazing after and you're relieved. And you're like, oh, it wasn't as hard as I thought. Yes. And you move forward. Yeah. In my life, I've had experiences like that. And I'm not going to say every time I've been fearful or, or been scared of a decision that I've done this, but a lot of times, and it turned out kind of like what you're saying and a good thing was in those moments of, okay, this is scary or this is going to be really hard and I'm fearful of maybe failing or what people will say or how the outcome will be. Cause I don't know, like the moments that I've taken the step through fear saying, okay, bring it, let's do it. That's the hard thing. That's what I should do. Those moments have always turned out good. No matter what maybe the initial outcome was, they've always brought positive down the road. Move forward, right? You're stepping yep. in. So yeah. I was looking too. I love your point. Yeah. It's actually never turned out bad for me because my worst case scenario is that I actually have inner peace because I don't have to worry about the probabilities and what could have happened. It's even if I didn't get the outcome that I was hoping for or expecting, I look back and I'm like, well, okay, what happened? I went for it. I have clarity and I can move on. Whether, you know, whatever the situation is, you get that peace of mind. You're like, all right, I move forward and what's next? So it's, yeah. it's actually all wins. Yeah, that's a great point. So when people are coming up to this wall, they've got this fear that they want to step through but maybe they don't know how to do that, how to take that step. What would you say to them? How would you guide them to take that step through that kind of fear barrier? Yeah. Okay. So if we put it in context, like what, doing your first video, is that? Sure. Yeah. That'd be good. Some context. And the fear, fears are typically universal, but mm -hmm. I would look at it. So one thing, if, if you look at common advice on say Facebook, someone's like, Hey, I'm afraid of speaking in public and I want to do my first talk or Hey, I'm afraid to do a video. And the common advice is, Oh, just do it and you'll mm -hmm. be okay. Oh, 
I mean, look, and the reality is, yeah, for some people, yeah, just doing it is going to give you a positive result. But here's the other thing, though. Oftentimes, the biggest obstacle in the beginning is the inner critic. So I've mm-hmm. got this whole, I created this thing. It's called a hierarchy of confidence. And it's step-by-step, six steps. It's what I use to help speakers get you know, on stage or on video. But the foundation of it, the first step, is self-compassion. Mm. And because if your inner critic is high and you're beating yourself up, that's actually not going to be a positive experience because yes, you do your video, but then you beat yourself up for the laundry list of everything you hate and how stupid you look and how bad you sound and what people are saying and how it's killing your reputation. So if you have that experience, what's the probability that you're going to do it again? Probably pretty damn low because it was an uncomfortable experience with not much learning you know, and positive momentum. So again, start with compassion. Even with my videos in my training course, Confident mm-hmm. Video, week one, I call it dog shit video week. <laughs> I say, look, purposely try to do as bad of a video as you can because once we take away all expectations, then it's like, okay, I can actually give myself permission to get started. It's like, look, every video you do is a 10 out of 10 because it's done. I always look at it as very binary. It's either you do it or you don't. Yeah. When you do it, it's a 10 out of 10. And there's two questions I was asked. So even with the fair, fair barrier, start off with what's the smallest step you can do to get moving forward. But then when you look at it, ask two questions. And number one, we start with this. What did I do well? Because the automatic is a lot of this, everything you hate. What did I do well? Number two is what will I refine for next time? And when you have that down, it frames it in a more positive way. And then you'll be more likely to take action. Yeah, I like that. And I think framing it, the positive framing is so crucial in, in anything like sales call. You get off a sales call. I, I've done this like, wow, that was terrible. I did this and this and this. And it's like, whoa, okay, wait, wait, wait. Like, Because then you get that, that spiral. I mean, a negative spiral in your mind. It's like, okay, so... I, you know, I did good there, or I said that was a good thing I said right there. And the next time, maybe I can maybe not use that word and use this one instead to make it a little bit better. So that's spot on in a lot of different things. I mean, look, it, and the thing is, especially whenever you do something new, it's, you're just getting started. And the comparison trap comes up a lot too. So people, you know, if it's videos, they'll look at their favorite YouTuber or social media influencer, go like, oh, hey, that person's way better than me. I'm not there yet. Yeah, but they've been doing it for five years or 10 years. Yep. You know, I would say I have my clients that go look at them for inspiration and then go watch their first videos. Go see where Mm -hmm. they started, but seek out the characteristics or attributes you like that they do. But then you always bring it back to the number one, which is you and go, okay, how can I get better today? That's all it is. Wherever you are, it's a baseline. I don't care where you are. Start off and then you can build from there. Most people stop because they see others and like, oh, I can't get there. It's like, well, yeah, of course you can if you never go for it. Yeah, it's going back to another quote, I again, is don't compare your chapter one to their chapter 10. Like we try to compare apple to oranges and it's they're not the same. Like they had to start at nothing. They had to start at zero, majority of them. And so just that comparison is no good for us to do that. Yeah, really. The only thing it guarantees is that you're not going to advance. <laughs> yeah. like, and then people often, it leads to them doubling down. It's like, okay, so you're not going for your dreams. So then what happened? Then you're going to sit on the sidelines. You're going to criticize all these other people because you're upset with yourself. Like that, nobody wins in that scenario. So for sure, (laughs) everyone loses. It's not good. Not good. Yeah, this is some good steps that we can take if we're feeling fear. Just understanding, like you want to that polarized answer. You want the yes or the no, like directly, because the wishy washy vanilla is not going to get you anywhere, and it's not the authentic, it's going to be harder to do long-term and it's going to turn out badly. And then really giving that self-compassion. I think that's a huge thing. Looking 
and I'm sandwiching it. Like, what did I do well? And then what can I do better next time? I know you focus on speaking and on video and things like that, but so much of what you do, like you said, it's kind of like the bait and switch. It can be used in like anything because the mindset and understanding ourselves are all so crucial uh, going through fear in, in any situation, really. So, no, absolutely. Kristen, you know, even for in terms of I know, uh, actionable steps to when you get started. So, number one is self compassion. Start off mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. How can you really appreciate for everything you do? Step two is commitment and it's getting clear of who are you on the journey to become? Because here's the thing, you know, like where you are today, you got to become a different person. There's this, it's funny to me when people use it as a negative or like, oh, you've changed. It's like, I hope so. Like, yeah. yeah. If I didn't change. Right. Like, like, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, you've changed. Well, yeah, of course. Great. Because I'm putting myself out there and I'm growing. And I mean, I'm not stagnant. So the mm-hmm. second, get clear with, because again, to, for that commitment, you got to write down and get clear on who you're on the journey to become, but also look at that the action that you've taken today to get you where you are today isn't going to get you to the next space. So you got to take different actions, have different thoughts to move forward. And then step three would be courage. And mm. courage is taking action in the face of uncertainty. Can people want certainty? They want to know if I do this video, I'm going to get a bunch of likes and a bunch of positive comments. And yep. it's like, you don't get it. You got to write the check in faith. And that is the courage is really when you're at that moment and it's the fears, you know, pulling up, can you take that action? Not knowing how it's going to work. Can you actually release control? And that's why it's so important to come back and really celebrate the action and not the result. For example, I'm going to do this video. And the fact that I, this video is out there and I post it, that's a 10 out of 10. When yep. you get to that space, that's what's going to allow you to start moving forward. Awesome. Those are some big three things that we can take and implement right now. That's amazing. So start just having that self-compassion, that commitment. Who am I going to have to become to get to the goals I want? And what do I have to do to get to that person each day? And like I say, and I took it again, not my quote, but 1% better each day improving 1% better each day. And then having the third, having the courage, which is acting in the face of uncertainty. And I think those are all spot on. And if you guys are listening out there, I hope you're writing those down. If not, go back, scroll back, listen to those again, write those down, post them up on your mirror, whatever you have to do to get through the fear that you're dealing with, whatever it is right now. And so grateful, Lucas, for you and having you on the show and you sharing this. It's been great conversation, great takeaways, great information. So again, thanks so much for being on today. But before we do kind of wrap up, I do ask one question of my guests. And so Pencil Leadership has five traits. The fifth being we are all created uniquely and with the potential and purpose to leave a positive mark in the world. And so with that being said, when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? Hmm, that's a great question. I really believe that we are unlimited potential. And so I guess my mark would be, my big, big vision would be a few, but the one that's coming through more than anything is to completely destigmatize the struggles that a person faces, whether it be mental health, whether it be addiction, whether it be whatever else. That's the one thing that I really believe in is if we could just remove the shame and the stigma around it, the self-stigma, it's like, okay, you are in this scenario and it's because of your circumstances, whatever happened. But if we could take that away, then people would get the help that they need faster and the whole world would win because when that doesn't happen, it's just generational traumas happen. People get bought into, you know, this is who we are you know, in the family unit, this is who we are, this is who we're not, or society, whatever it is. And everyone loses that. So it would be to mm-hmm. wait, just remove all the shame because I really believe it could be that simple. I'm struggling with this. Great. Okay. What do I need to get help? That may be over simplistic, but why not? Why can't yeah. I, hey, I, I'm feeling really depressed. Okay. 
you know, what do you need to, to move forward? Great, let's do it. So that would be the mark is to really just open up the conversation around struggles. Awesome. That's remove the stigmas of that. I love that. It's a great mission to be on. So I'm excited for you and I'm grateful for your heart to want to do that. So that's pretty cool. Where can people find you, connect with you so they can learn more about what you're doing, your programs, things like that? Head on over to leveluploving.com and uh, yeah, check it out there. We have all the stuff or on Instagram uh, at Lucas Matiello. But yeah, definitely over there. Hey, Chris, I want to flip the script for a second on you. Oh, all right. <laughs> I have a question. I have a belief that everyone at a certain level, they believe they're misunderstood. And what's one thing that you feel people misunderstand about you? Hmm. Wow. This is a first, but I like it. What do they misunderstand about <laughs> me? A misunderstanding or a misconception people have about you. Wow. That's a good one. Put me on the spot. Have to think on the common misconception someone has about me. I don't know. It might be that because I am earlier on in my entrepreneur journey, maybe it's that they don't necessarily see my abilities as well as someone who's been doing it for a long time. They underestimate maybe how I can help. And yeah, maybe that's kind of the way they misconceive. What's your superpower to counter that? Like, what's it like your deep inner knowing that you're like, yeah, I might be early in my career, but damn it, I know what I'm talking about. What would be your, your superpower on that? I would say just being able to see big picture, like what can come, like visionary type stuff, and then the plan to get there, then it's just putting the steps together. So I think getting really excited, like bringing a bunch of energy to like when people talk about their big vision goals, like I just get pumped and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Like you can just really getting them believing in themselves and living into that full potential. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I saw how you lit up with it. And, <laughs> and you know what? I really acknowledge you for the work that you do because oftentimes like she brings it back full circle to what we were talking about, how that one message from somebody else can change your whole direction. And I personally, the thing I see constantly is people are their own worst critics. So mm-hmm. have somebody like you, that's that motivator to really light a person up and to see someone's greatness. I mean, that alone can just change someone's actions and get them to do things that they really want to do. So they yeah. don't die with massive regrets and they have the dream life. So, yeah. And I think it's crazy. No, thank you for asking that. Cause it, and I think it's crazy. That's how it's tied me to podcasters, podcasting entrepreneurs more because like the platform is like that stage for them to get to that level and get their stories and their potential out there. So it's really interesting questions. I like it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for playing along. Yeah, no problem. So again, thanks for being on pencil leadership. Thanks for having me, brother. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.